Normally, I would try to inject some sort of energy into that opening segment, but <laughs> it is nearing midnight in Johannesburg. It's the day before its test match. It has been one of the most chaotic weeks in the history of Australian cricket. <laughs> the captain's been sacked. The last captain's been sacked. The opening batsman's been sacked. The coach has resigned. Um, I don't know who else is going to quit by this time tomorrow. And here we are. Trying to get some sort of sense of exactly what the hell is going on, lacking any sense of it, and we're going to do things a bit differently today because normally we'd be relatively organised, we'd have a list of topics, uh, we would, notably, I'd go through at the end and do some editing and take out the bits where we jibber meaninglessly or trip over our words, and we're not going to do that today because, one, we don't have time, and two, I think it's going to more accurately reflect what an absolute shambles it is and has been um, the last few days and that uh, Adam Collins is with me and we're both completely rooted because we've been working ridiculous hours, ridiculous schedules, just trying to keep people updated with what's going on. The level of interest around the world for this, for, for what started out as a bit of fiddling with the ball, is absolutely insane Adam to think where this all started I was on air when it all went down last week on whenever it was day three at Cape Town where were we again uh yeah and um <laughs> that, that one the think, one with the hill yeah the thing with the thing on the thing um, <laughs> hill town to think that was where we were I don't even know how many days ago you could tell me it was uh, 10 days could tell me it was four days I, I wouldn't know it's been genuinely. one continuous one continuous day one continuous radio or television interview one continuous print deadline it's been just Oh. I, I spent 30 minutes before sending badgering emails to the ABC um, weekend breakfast show going, you told me you were going to call me at 10.30, what's going on? <laughs> it's Thursday. Um, <laughs> I didn't realise that until about half an hour later. Um, and so here we are, completely broken, um, just I, <laughs> trying to get through it the only way we can. Um, and, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to drink on the podcast. This, I just can't get through any more time today a couple of our colleagues made the point today that day drinking's perfectly fine at the moment and i honored that this afternoon in amongst the four articles i was writing and i think i did 12 interviews today on different radio and tv stations around the world and yeah i mean i used to experience this kind of drain when i worked in politics there used to be days around the federal budget and election campaigns when you work these sort of you know three or four hours sleep continuous cycles and you just roll with it but i didn't expect it when i thought i was coming to the leisurely world of sports journalism but it's been a real throwback i mean on one hand i'm loving it of course you're loving it you're chasing the yarn it's huge it's the biggest story ever on the other hand there's a deeply personal side to this as well with the people involved which i've felt quite a bit i don't know if that's necessarily yeah. professional but at different points i felt pretty emotional today really weirdly what triggered me not that i was like literally crying or anything but about the whole fucking shambles when that um series of songs started blaring out of the stereo at the wanderers all these australian classics i actually 
bumped into an Australian player tonight and asked him, what, what was the go there? Was that like a strategic plan to fire you guys up? And he goes, no, we were fucking stitched up. It was a playlist that yeah. was a random Spotify, Spotify Australia playlist. So the music was as varied as, you can, as you'd like, but mostly stuff from the 70s and 80s, which was, you know, made before they were even born, a couple of more recent oh, songs. All, but, yeah, yeah, all of these sort of emotional strains, yeah. Oh, yeah. Under the Milky Way tonight, got to oh. run. If you don't cry during the bagpipe solo, you have no soul. Absolutely. Um, and it was so poignant. I wrote a, I think I wrote a piece about it. Yeah, I did. I definitely wrote a piece about it for The Guardian. All these really quite relevant like songs. Like, I think I wrote a piece. Yeah. Wait, no, no, hang check. on. I definitely no, wrote I a piece did. about this, about, about all the very poignant songs. Reckless by Australian oh, Crawl. What very, a reckless, reckless week it was. How to Make Gravy by Paul Kelly about a, 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 a letter from jail about yeah. someone missing Christmas. And, of course, today and this week is all about the players who aren't here anymore. It all came heavy Heart, UMI. UMI. Oh, just a waterlogged ball that no one yeah, wants to kick around I, I couldn't believe that that's what they ended with Oof. as well. How good is that, Timmy Rogers? Timmy Rogers on the uh, on the sound system and Timmy Payne, the 46th captain of Australia tomorrow. I was thinking about Tim, Tim Payne. Timmy Rogers loves cricket. He came down to... Uh, yeah. When, during, the, during the summer, um, the Wisdom Cricket Monthly guys came out to cover the Ashes and we were, and, and like drafted me in foolishly for a match against Gideon Haig's um, mm-hmm. uh, club cricket. The Arrows. Melbourne. Yeah, um, and so we're you know sitting there with the, uh, so I'm playing in the English team and and the other team has an English import who's absolutely smoking it all mm-hmm. over the place you know made made eighty or fifty balls or something as I is the not. custom. Um, but but yeah, we're all you know sitting there watching this um, you know watching the the run chase fall apart and some random bloke in a cowboy hat rocks up to this little marquee at, at, at Como Oval and wherever and goes anyone need a beer? Goes to the clubhouse comes back with like 12 beers hands them round and then goes and sits under a tree and watches the game and I'm like hang on, hang on that's Tim Rogers. is that our Timmy? <laughs> yeah, that's our Timmy? It was. Bloody hell. What a world. What a world we live in. Tim Payne. So I just want to talk about this thing that I know about Tim Payne, right? Well, not about Tim Payne, but more about David Warner. In one of my various conversations with him over the years, it was in Bangladesh last year when he lost his baggy green. Mm. You might remember he wore that tight-fitting kookaburra baggy green instead of the sort of more loose-fitting Albion one that he wore from his debut until what may very well be now his final test match. Um, And... Mm. He lost it. Talk about losing your baggy grain. Yeah, the epitome of that. And he, he, he lost it and he didn't know where it was. And in the conversations we were having, it it became apparent that he thought he may have left it possibly in hand luggage and it might have fell out of the bag when he was with his kids and it could have got, you know, sent into yep. lost property in, in a in a foreign country. It and just up be a, under a couch somewhere. Yeah, which in, foreign, in a foreign country, a, a cap with no context, sure. it, it could be anything, right? Yep. An old cap especially. But in the end, he located it in, and get this, he located it in, or his wife did, Candice, uh, the bag or the suit bag, which has within it the blazer that he carries around with him to every test match with number 46 on it, which is the number of captain he would have been had he ever captained Australia because on the off chance that Steve Smith steps on a cricket ball before the toss and he would have had to captain he would have had to have walked out and he would have in turn became captain number 46 Uh, I was sort of pondering whether he might have left that for Tim Payne on the way out the door evidently he didn't and I'm not even sure Tim Payne's got a blazer to toss in tomorrow. Right. I mean, you can't really begrudge him for that. I can't imagine him getting the embroidery well, down in Joe Bird. Well, they don't have a vice captain, you know, so there's no 47. Yeah. Um, but that 46 by extension, like he can burn that, he can burn that jacket now because there's no way he can be 46. And yeah. it, well, he can't be anything. They've banned him from all leadership positions for life, which he is can, a, one of the many bed. repercussions of yeah, wear it to bed and wonder what might have been. One of the many repercussions of the week is that he can no longer captain any Australian side in any leadership position ever. Which yeah. in in a way, like that would have been the biggest story ever had it been. Um, in, in in isolation, but now it barely even makes the social pages. Yeah, and now we're we for the first time uh, more Australian Test captains than they've had US presidents. 
Yeah. Trump 45, Steve Smith 45. Oh, that's um, really strong. Did you think about that? Or did that just come to you then? Uh, well, probably yesterday it popped up. I went, yeah. you know, because um, you see so much 45 stuff online from yeah. people who, who don't wish to refer to the the current US president by name. I like that. It, it's sort of like if you say it three times, he might appear. So you just don't, <laughs> don't want to take the risk. <laughs> He's coming over. I'm surprised, he, I'm surprised he hasn't rearranged it so he can be president 88. Uh, that would have that would suit uh, Donald Trump's broader yeah, politics. Suit the base, absolutely. Yeah, sure, um, right. But, but yeah, the, the, you know, Tim Payne's 46. He's got a you know a fresh job to do, and hopefully he can reinvigorate things in the way that President 46, whoever that might be, can, can do in the not-too-distant future. Barack Obama. <laughs> I don't think he can come back. Imagine he made a comeback. Imagine Barack Obama comes back and Steve Smith comes back. Steve Smith can come back. Uh, Barack cannot come back. So Barack Obama was 44, Michael Clark was 44. Michael yeah, Michael yeah. Clark. Oh, hang on, no, no. Shane Robert Shane, 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 Shane Robert Watson, Watson was 40. 44. So imagine so Barack Obama and Shane Watson the great man. To, together at last. Imagine him. Sitting right. two around the around the campfire with their two guitars out, having a sing song. I, I do wonder. I'd give anything. We've to been meaning for a while to have a segment on the final word called "What I Watch," mm. which is what is SR Watson up to this week. Oh, bless um, him. He was in the team of the tournament for the uh, the Pakistan was Super he? League, I believe. Oh, bloody hell! Um, Good on you, Watto. <laughs> so be still, or, or at least in some in some people's teams of the tournament. I certainly mm. saw his name flying around. So I wonder if it crossed his mind for a minute when all this happened. He thought maybe maybe the call would come <clears> in. You know, I'm only in the Middle East. I'm nearby. I'm I've lined up with the time zones. I've been playing a lot of cricket, you know. Well, you could have said ready to surf like Michael Clark did. I mean, it's easy to take the piss because I actually felt a smidgen sorry for Clark when Peter Fitzsimons put him on the spot on the Sunday yeah. morning when everyone was very emotional, very yeah, emotional. Yeah, yeah. And, and he and, worked him for about six different times. Yeah, and, and, and he kind of just made the self-evident point that if asked to serve, of course he would. But that was brilliant clickbait at the time, and you know, you if, can't be great. If the right, if the right people ask the question. <laughs> I would consider my answer. I wanted to know who the right people yeah, would be in that, quick, in that, in that scenario. Yeah. <laughs> who, who, whatever it was, Warney? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, uh, trying to track back, is it, um, like, is it one of the Bee Gees? Is it like, you know, is it, what if, if Elvis appeared? What do you, you know? Oh, no, from the, it's got to be from the mural, surely. Oh, in keeping with his relationship with if Springsteen, if um, Angelina Jolie. Well, of course, uh, Springsteen's who he's um, speaking to in the mural. Just, uh, just talk, what do you say? What's he, the comment? Having a chat about just having cricket? a chat about some cricket. I think Michael Clark's <laughs> holding a cricket ball. Um, and, and, no, or is it Warney talking to Springsteen? No, it's Warney with Springsteen, and uh, Michael Clark is with uh, Chris Martin from Coldplay. <laughs> That's right. I know who needs to ask you. <laughs> It needs to be Dimitri Mascarenas. <laughs> Dimmy, who's a great, is a wonderful man. And I'm really looking forward to seeing Dimmy during the summer. He's got a gig at Essex being the, I think he's their bowling coach or assistant coach or whatever. Mm. Uh, I remember well when Tom Cowie went through and documented who was each person in that mural. And they didn't quite, it took them a while to work out who Dimmy was because obviously yeah. they wouldn't have much familiarity with an English play. He did play for England quite a bit, but principally but a county The real player. laggers, the real ones I think that, that, uh, that we struggled with in that process were um, the, the, the Hatcham brothers, the two <laughs> Yeah. From, from the US. Um, His ja- brother? Jason Ward yeah. was hard to track down. Um, Aaron, Aaron Hamill. Hamill was definitely uh, a real outside bet. And, uh, yeah, and Jimmy, they were, they were the ones where we were like, oh, I'm pretty sure the guy with the guitar is Elvis, and I'm pretty sure the one cooking brains on the barbecue is Anthony Hopkins. But also Elvis is left-handed in that mural. Yeah, He's right. got a left-handed guitar. It is an absolute indictment on me that I know all of that. I'm not looking at it. I know who's talking to who. 
I know who's doing what. I know there are only three women in in the mural, and that all of them are like in various items of swimwear, like rolling around in suggestive poses, while the like twenty five different men have conversations. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it's 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 the Bechdel test does not get a good run in the mural. Is all I'm going to say. So that's who needs to ask Pup to come back yep. and captain the team. Uh, can we just like what, talk- I, what I could have opened opened the batting as well. Yeah, but, but you know, serious note, nice that. Matthew Renshaw and Joe Burns yeah, get a chance yeah. to come back. Now, when Australia got humiliated against South Africa not very long ago, the they had a clean out. Mm. They had five changes, and guess who the uh, the harbinger for renewal was? Who came in? Matthew Renshaw. Here we are. Humiliation against South Africa, potentially up to five changes in tomorrow's test. Matthew Renshaw is the man for a new day. And Joe Burns is the first member of the Hobart Five to officially be re- rehabilitated yeah. and reinstated to the yeah. Australian Eleven. Assuming he plays, which I had. And one replaced the other, and now they're coming back together. Together at last. Oh, the symbolism. It's beautiful. Isn't it just? It's a raw show. And I saw the big show today. I didn't Mm. actually see him Um, face-to-face. That might have been quite the scene. Love you, Glenn. Um, I saw him out in the middle. Um, I saw him out in the middle prodding the pitch with his bat. Yeah. Like, just apropos nothing. He got there before... He must have got there before the rest of the team got there, because that Mm. Lehman press conference was at 2 p.m., and this might have been about 1 p.m., local time but the fact that he walked out and had a little fiddle with the pitch made me just ponder briefly that he might be in the team as well yeah. I mean, I think most people assume he'll be the 12th man with Hanscom yeah. coming in and well, it should, you know, Gawaja retaining his spot. But what if most of this will be redundant by the time the test starts in a few hours' time. But there's, That's yeah, fine. We can talk about three, it. No, no, I'm not saying don't. I'm saying there's, it's interesting that there's, you know, there's the three likely changes being Hanscom comes in with, with Burns and Renshaw. But it's possible Stark could miss because he's been, you know, not at his best and mm. he's, he's been sore. He's obviously... Well, he's redlining, isn't he? Yeah. It, it, it's very, very obvious the amount of overs he bowled last week towards the back end. He was at Too that... Part, yeah, long summer, all the rest. You, yep. you know, and, and the more serious hard edge to this discussion about what happened with Smith last week and co, especially Smith, though, I reckon, is just how taxed they were yeah. um, you know Smith said to us we should have picked up on this I reckon it was a real real failing of us as a as a group when Smith yep. said before Durban and then again last week but more pointedly before Cape Town that he was buggered uh, emotionally like above the shoulder he said he was mentally not going as well as he had been in the Ashes series and that he's but he was batting well and I think that's kind of how if you look at Steve Smith as a leader we've perennially thought well Fundamentally, he describes himself as the guy who leads from the front. In other words, makes shitloads of runs. Yeah. So I think that when he, the caveat was, well, I'm not feeling that well, but I'm batting nicely. We're like, oh, no, good as gold. No worries, mate. Yeah, as long as you're batting. As long as you're batting well. It becomes kind of um, parasitic at that point. Like, as long as you're giving us what we want. You yeah. Know, and I'm talking about not you know not us, you and me, but in, like Australian cricket, mm-hmm. you know, as long as, as, long as um, the team management's getting it, as long as um, CA's getting it, as long as the public are getting it, um, as, as, a, as a communal mess, we all go, well, sure, yeah, cool, you know, we're still performing, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, you must be fine. But leadership and, and is like, not. yeah, that's it, isn't it? Though? I think le- I think people forget that being captain of a cricket team's hard. Mm. Being captain of the Australian team's really hard. And he was rooted. And at the end of an incredibly long summer, we should have also picked up on that bit about uh, he didn't like batting against England in the one day. Steve Smith like loves batting. This is something yeah. I know I wrote. So I wrote it just yeah. before. He he he's the guy that had his girlfriend now his fiance Danny feeding him balls down the down the ball machine in the nets <laughs> when they first were dating. I mean, he loves batting. So he, you make an impression. Yeah, precisely. He always always wants to bat and the fact that he didn't want to bat then I'm not saying that translated to when he arrived in South Africa but it's illustrated he said he enjoyed his break over two weeks or whatever but we need to be mindful of just how much um, Mm. pressure he was under 
And again, lost in the debate, and I'm not surprised it's been lost in the debate. I've given up my best shot talking about it this week, but yeah, I'm pushing back against the tide fairly heavily here. Lehman uh, complaining and putting in a formal complaint, I think mm. it was. With, CA put in a formal complaint. Yeah, they did, didn't they? David Peaver, I think, from memory, and James Sutherland put out a statement on the Saturday yep. morning about the behaviour of the South African crowds. We didn't really get a chance to interrogate that properly, but yep. what effectively happened that day was that the players' wives and girlfriends' box and the family box was to our left of our commentary position, and the people people beneath them were giving them awful grief as well as the players about them I spoke to a bloke at the pub on Saturday night as always got hot and heavy and he said that all day long people were singing songs about um, about the Warner family you know disgraceful songs about them so again none of this I mean I feel like I've got the next line I have to say none of this is an excuse none of it doesn't make it okay but it's worth understanding how the fuck up happened in order to make sure that we can you know it gives us a reference point for the future whether it's about lethargy whether it's about um, how much pressure they're under from the crowd and all these other inputs to make sure that players are better supported to make sure they make better decisions. Yeah, and you know, at the same time, there's been a lot of stuff, particularly out of England, saying, oh, look at these Australians, they're complaining about it, you know, um, mm. how they didn't care when touring teams in Australia get abused, and that's probably true. You sure. Know, there's, there's probably no doubt in that. There's probably no doubt. Jesus, what am I saying here? There, there, there is no doubt that that's the case, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, like, neither of those things are then okay. Yeah. What, what, what you come down to is that getting shit from the crowd is probably part of professional sport, and that's, you know, you, you maybe just have to accept that that happens. But when the specific brand of shit that you're getting um, is entirely based on abusing women for being women, um, you know, abusing women for, you know, daring to have a sexual existence yeah. of any kind, um, and and thinking that, you know, you can use attacking women who are random bystanders to get at men who they're connected to, all of those things are completely fucked up. Yeah. It doesn't matter who's doing them or who's saying them, but it's it's misogynist shit, and it damages relationships, and it makes sport a hostile place where women don't feel comfortable um, and that's part of why we have such a poisonous culture around so much professional sport it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily why but it's a reflection of that culture and it feeds into it and, and helps create it well, I remember we spoke about this after the Durban Test match when the decock Warner thing blew up and the invective that was blown out towards Candace Warner after that. And we, we were, you know, worried and conscious of this, but it did just get worse and worse throughout the, the next couple of Test matches, especially at Cape Town, which is, you know, by far the a Test that was best attended so far. And, I, yeah, I, I, I can't divorce the two things. I haven't been able to from the moment this happened. And I'm not saying that, you know, the crowd is responsible for, for Tafe going up to Cameron Bancroft and giving him a tutorial about ball tampering. <laughs> yeah, which is I mean, that's sort of the most embarrassing part of the whole thing. Yeah. Like, let's sit down for a little little workshop. <laughs> you know, I really like the, the guys on Twitter who are like imagining it as the scene out of Ghost, you know, with, <laughs> with, uh, reaching around from behind, just, you know, unchained melody in the background. Hands on the ball. Oh, <laughs> um, but like, I mean, this is simultaneously funny and not at all funny. It's, it's it's just the most fucked up maelstrom of a situation. Mm. And, it, you know, it's been... Well, maybe we'll come back to that in a minute. You are listening to The Final Word. We're brought to you this episode by Wisdom Cricket Monthly. And I've got to write something um, in the next few days. I'm going to be honest, I haven't done it yet. I've got about three days to file, hopefully... They're not listening into this, but I will at some stage. Um, I've got to somehow capture this entire week of 
madness and insanity and brutality and sadness and and a real hollowness in the game and and it's been a mess uh, and I'm going to do my best to try to put that down on paper in, in a way that that reflects what's going on um, and there's a, there's a lot more in yeah. the sides. Yeah, there is and, and we have a relationship with Wisdom Cricket Monthly that means that if you go on wisdom.com forward slash final word you get a very generous offer which means that you're able to pick up a 30% discount for the next six months. It's a cracking offer. Get on wisdom.com forward slash final word. They're very supportive of the podcast. Um, they're very supportive of both Jeff and my writing. Uh, so get on there and, and back them in. It's the best cricket magazine in the world by the sort of length of the straight at the moment. There's a lot of great stuff coming up in the next edition. So Jeff's on the whole frago. Uh, Telford Vice, who yeah. we spoke to a lot about this. Telford's a brilliant writer and also a, just a great barometer on... South African culture, I think. He just feels like he's right on the money with this stuff. Yeah, f- f- finger on the pulse with a lot of it. And what he's writing about is um, is that is how much ball tampering goes on um, yeah. behind the scenes in in other in other countries and other teams. And Indeed, South Africa having got done three times in the yeah. last, you know. And a lot of the South Africans, particularly, are quite perplexed at the the nature of the response. And I think that so our next segment will probably get into that a yep. little bit, like why have we had this response and is it proportionate? Um, but but that's a really interesting point where so many South Africans over here are saying, what's going on? You know, why why are you guys having such a, a huge um, mm. reaction or overreaction as they see it to this? Mickey Arthur has been interviewed by John Stern, who's yeah, the editor totally. at large. Now, that's spot on. Mickey Arthur, who's the former Australian coach, uh, wrote a piece yesterday for Players Voice, which went into yep. great depth about how he saw the culture from inside the Australian side. So I think the fact that John's got to sit down with him before the next edition could be explosive. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, Kumar Sangakara, who's a phenomenal yeah. colum- columnist. I don't know how they managed to jag him, but they've done a great job having him uh, monthly in the magazine. He's having a crack at uh, the, the, what really goes on in the shadows yeah, of top so tier cricket things, which again could be so timely. Well, this is the other really interesting bit for me. So when you put those two together, Telford and 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 Sanger's column, um, that's that's what I want to know. You know, as people who haven't been in top level cricket, like that's the real question: is how much of this stuff is going on? Mm. Do we know? You know, um, or, or are we are we living in fantasy land? Um, and I think Jared Kimber wrote probably the best piece on the whole Farago, which which came out today, where mm. he was talking about exactly this. He, he was basically saying reverse swing. You know, the the large majority of it, you can't get it unless you're doing something shifty. Like there there has to be shiftiness involved. And what we do is we praise the product, we pra- praise the result. We talk in glowing terms about great spells of reverse mm. bowling. We we love the fact that it brings the bowlers back into the game. Uh, we enjoy it, and he's like the the administrators enjoy it. They they back it. They um, you know they're happy to see this happening. They're happy to see competitive Test cricket, and they've all and uh, you know communally all of us have turned a blind eye to the fact that there's usually something shifty going on. So he's like, which is it? One or the other? Either you accept what makes it happen and you allow that, or you don't accept what makes it happen and you take steps to stop it. But yeah, it's gonna make for a, well it's gonna make for a really interesting discussion when the ICC meet later in the year to review their their, their procedures because look at level two offence ball tampering reflects the fact that it's it's like it's not jaywalking but it's not murder, is it? It's some it's 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 well include it's far closer to jaywalking in terms of that code of conduct. It's pretty low. It's up yeah. there with, you know, telling a an opponent to fuck off or yeah, sticking yeah. your finger up at someone or arguing with an umpire you know it's 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 basically no big deal and that's the way the South Africans treated it with with Faf and I don't necessarily 
disagree with that? Like, you well, know. Jez, it's, it's, a, it's how you conceive it. It's like, you know, the 100 metres final at the 1988 Olympics, everyone was on drugs. Did it make it okay? No. <laughs> Did it mean that everyone was doing it? Yes. I mean, I think there's, and again, this isn't sort of like trying to explain away or excuse. I'm very mindful of being in a, yeah. speaking with an Australian <laughs> accent and providing broader yep. context at the moment because it feels like I'm making a rod my own back. But nonetheless, it, it, I think it's worth us having a, a, a longer discussion about reverse swing in the aftermath of all of this to make sure that going yep. forward there's a better consistency. I mean, Vitushna Antaraja, another regular in the Wisdom Cricket Monthly magazine, indeed he hosts their podcast. He wrote extensively about this last year with county yeah. cricket, about how um, he, he got a ton of county cricketers to speak, both off the record and on background, and the on-background stuff was most useful, about how they do it and about how effective they are. And it's fascinating reading, because what it illustrates is that this is, again, anyone that's involved in the game knows it goes down, but just the degree to which it goes down and how carefully people go about it. So, look, I, I look forward to that conversation. Also, in the mag this month, I, it's almost easy to forget that England got rock and rolled for 58 last week in Auckland, yeah. but they certainly did. So there's a <laughs> the slew second of, most embarrassing thing that a cricket yeah, team did that week. Heaps to trawl through there. Wisdom.com forward slash final word. Pick up the offer back in the magazine, back in this podcast. Uh, You won't regret it. It's great reading. It is. I I need to get a beer, and then we're going to talk about the response. Hi, I'm Dave Warner, and you're listening to The Final Word. Thank you, David Warner. Not necessarily the most popular man in Australian cricket right now, but still one of the most interesting who we interviewed a few weeks ago, if you want to go back and listen for that episode. This is The Final Word with Jeff Lemon and Adam Collins coming to you from Johannesburg after what is hopefully the end of a week of disaster and hopefully the start of a few days where we might talk about cricket, um, but we're not going to talk about cricket yet. Not quite. We've we have got a bit more to do. We have another sponsor of the show this week. First time sponsor of The Final Word, Smile Group Travel. Um, we've worked with Smile a bit recently. They're wonderful people. They do a lot of great work. Essentially, it's a very simple business model. They run cricket tours to any part of the world. It's not an idle boast. They literally go to every corner of the cricket globe their their expertise and contacts are unparalleled making sure they have a fantastic consumer experience they can arrange for test cricketers to come out and coach kids Q&A sessions legends teams access to test grounds the work so if you go and do a tour with Smile Travel you're going very nicely indeed they also do tons of supporter tours that's again former pros former England players who uh, they have the contacts to able to facilitate these sorts of tours which they do on a regular basis they have access to current international players from the Caribbean like Jason Holder and Shay Hope Chris Wokes is also involved with the company so plenty going on there if you go on a foreign tour with Smile Travel and often they can combine the two so you can get the best of all worlds there yeah and they, they did manage to find cricket grounds in Cape Town during a drought so obviously very good fairly resourceful well, and that's another point to the business as well they, they run tours for teams when you go abroad so we caught up last week with Middlesex Sussex and Durham who brought out a boys team and a girls team uh, for their, their pre-season trips. It was a pretty high standard of cricket. Some former international players, some, well, I guess future international players in the case of Joffre Archer, who we had a chat to down there as well. So uh, Smile Group Travel uh, is a company who we uh, are very proud to be associated with on the final word. So be sure to uh, catch up with Graham Walker, who is the man that runs the show there on smilegrouptravel.com and mention you had a chat to us on the final word. It'll probably help. Might get you in the door. Um, we've got this giant blow-up that's happened. We we had Steve Smith in tears this morning, Cameron Bancroft in tears, Darren Lehman in tears. It was it was actually a really difficult day, and and it's mm. strange for you know we're we're not Australian barrackers, you know we're not supporters. We don't really. Care. 
care who wins or loses at the cricket. We like the game, we like watching it, we like the contest. Um, we're as interested in every team that plays cricket as we are in, in the one that comes from the country that we come from. You know, we probably know a bit more about arcane 80s batting stats from Australian players than, than some others, but not necessarily. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's not sort of coming from a, a personal association thing, but I think just watching the actual human cost of this up close... It, it's really draining. It, it's, yeah. it's really sad. You, you're seeing people having you know, one of the worst days of their life. Yeah, and that's been consistently the case throughout the course of the week. I feel much the same. I often offhandedly joke that I'm the least patriotic Australian person I know, but that's not really the case. But you, it's, you, you like know, the national anthem, and I don't. So yeah, I'm, I'm I do like the national anthem. I do like the national it's anthem, a shit song. and I do love the country. It's a but shit I mean, song. I, I just kind of We've got a I, shit flag I, and a shit. Song. We have a very shit flag, but we'll come to that another time. Um, I bounce around a lot about this, and I think that my feelings this week were that having spent enough time with at least two of the three characters, a little bit of time with Cam, but not very much, but at least with Smith and, and Warner. And we interview them all the time. We're always kind of in their space, in their personal space. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it can be almost quite intimate. I mean, to give you a bit of an understanding of how sometimes these things work, it's, you know, Smithy sometimes, you know, literally jumps out of bed and comes down and does a media conference with just the print guys. So we, we you know, we get him when he's kind of basically in his pyjamas some days in his hotel doing a, a chat with us um, for an embargo op a couple of days into the future. Like, things like that. doesn't yeah. sound like much, but it, it gives you a flavour for it. I, I you know, then, I wrote... Then we have a pillow fight. Yeah, yeah. But it just, <laughs> you know... With marshmallows, yeah. but I, I sort of looked at the. We watched the Never Ending oh, Story. I looked at the. Um, I looked at the uh, something today about him that yeah. I was reminded of was his Instagram feed. I jumped on there today. I don't know why I did that, but um, he has all these. Like, I don't really, know why you do a lot of things. You yeah, do on the internet. Yeah, that's, that's true as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not, let's not even start. This is such a slippery slope, and I'm pretty sure my girlfriend's dad listens to this show. So. I was talking more about the Mark Wall pants episode oh, right, that I mentioned yeah. the other week. But yeah. <laughs> the Mark Wall, as I said at the time, you know, don't try and get yourself a pair of Mark Wall strides on the internet. I've done it. I know how to get there. The the um, the uh, the way I felt about Steve was that going through his Instagram was that his like beautiful photos he takes with his drone. And he goes yep. and sends it out to sea. He puts it over the top of cricket grounds, up around mountains, all that kind of thing. And, like, he's talked to, to us about that, not on the record or anything, just kind of like when we're having a chat, you know, either side of different opportunities and how much that excites him. I remember talking to him last year about we were reading the same book at one stage last year. And I don't know, like, there's a personal relationship there with these people. Mm. I'm not saying we're, like, mates with them. That would be overstating the case. But we speak, to, we spend enough time with them and observing them and writing about them. It, that itself yeah. somewhat of an intimate experience to go through when you're, when you're writing about I think because you know we spend a lot more time thinking about them than, than, totally. than they do about us totally so seeing them go through these sorts of experiences and I know David Warner's a, a figure who does not carry universal acclaim never has never will end of fucking statement especially this week it yeah. was telling today that everyone on Twitter is like oh you really feel for Steve Fifth and Cameron Bancroft that's but it not Dave, yeah. <laughs> that's it yeah. but again like you know I, I see David Warner as the most complicated person I've ever met in my life. I see Dave, I've, you know, I sometimes joke about it and say that everything you say about Dave's kind of true. He can be boorish. He can be offensive and he can say the most out-of-turn things and you kind of wonder what's going on above his shoulders. But then he can be incredibly insightful and caring and considerate, especially when he talks about his family. The podcast that we did with him on The Final Word maybe three or four weeks ago now, when he spoke so eloquently about 
Indigenous communities about wanting to serve in public life, which is obviously never going to happen now. But, you know, mm. the fact that he even thought that way, uh, it's not the first time he and I have talked about that. I spent an hour interviewing him last year about a range of things, about his meditative process, about mindfulness, about his life coach, about getting his shit together after building Joe Root, about giving up the piss. You know, it, it, yeah. he, isn't, he isn't one thing. He's not the other thing. He's everything. And that means that I have no idea what he's going to do next. I genuinely don't know. He might come out in front of the media in two days. He said he's going to speak to the media in two days and say, I have fucked up. Like, you have no idea to the extent to which I've, I've, I've yep. made a mess of this. Yep. And I want to make amends. And I want to do everything in yep. my power to restore the faith <coughs> of the Australian people. And it, and it begins today. Or, On the other hand... He might, he might say, I'm appealing the ban that's been exactly. given to me. It's not my it's fault. It's unfair. Everyone in the team was in on it. <laughs> They all knew about it. I it's was a stitch patsy, up. Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. Or, it, it could be either. It could be either. It could and be and the both. fact that it, it, one and then the other. Yeah, it could, <laughs> it could be that as well. But the fact that we don't even know, uh, I think, yeah. illustrates again just the complicated nature of who he is. But Whereas, also how badly they've handled him. Where, like, if he's if he's that erratic, um, he hasn't been monitored well enough or, or, mm. or helped enough depending which way you want to look at it by the team management around him um, and when you know when Darren Lehman quit today I, I've had plenty of criticism to say about Darren Lehman over the years um, and I still felt for him as a human being today yeah. when he was he was wiping his eyes in the middle of that press conference he's a you know he's a pretty resolute rugged sort of tough bloke who probably doesn't do a lot of crying and, and to, to break down in front mm. of a room of, of 80 strangers is you know, it's a, it's a kind of ritual humiliation almost. To, you know, well, maybe it's maybe it's helpful. Maybe it's a sort of purge of, of you know letting those emotions out. But maybe it was the right thing for him to resign still because if you look at it in terms of he was the coach of running that team, he was he was in charge, and if he wasn't able to see how loose Warner was um, and, and how erratic he could be and, and channel that, then then maybe it is on him. He, he knew. He knew today when he made that comment about the culture review. The previous day, the culture and conduct review that Sutherland announced a couple of nights ago, maybe it was three nights ago, as I said at the start of the show, I have no idea what day of the week it is. Um, initially... Lehman's response was to double down and say, I'm the guy that can take us there. I can change the culture. I've got the personality and the skills that are necessary to do it. Down you know. on my knees, I want to take you there <laughs> he, he, in the he, he definitely felt that way. And even last year, I mean, I kept coming back to it on various interviews last night. Like It was a year ago yesterday that he spoke after the loss at Durham Shala and, yeah. and spoke at great length about how it was a less aggressive side, a more humble team under Steve Smith in India, and he was getting used to that. It wasn't the same as the team that he was used to coaching when he first became coach. Went back to being the team that he was used to coach. It didn't take long, did it? I no. think it was the, the perhaps the the Ashes was the thing that got them I think thinking. It's pantomime stuff. It's like yeah. we have to do this we before an Ashes like series. This. We have to act a certain way, yeah. and that morphed into what happened in the first test yeah. with Johnny Bairstow and 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 the sledging that went on that day, and the headbutt stuff, and all the rest of it. That you know, remember that yeah. headbutt story was essentially briefed out by the Australian team, like you know. And then there was the often forgotten Jake Ball incident in that test match as well, where they um, went out to try and do. Well, I don't want to say they went out to try and hit him. That, that's not reasonable to the bowlers. But they bowled uh, every ball short to him in his brief innings, and he can't hold a bat. There was a risk that they could have done serious damage to him. Yeah. They could have bowled on his stumps and knocked him over first and, ball. And but I'll tell you know. what I keep thinking about from that week is, is Nathan Lyon going, we want to end a few careers. And, you know, hello, fast forward three months. Whose yeah, have ended? well, that's it. So, I mean, that's, and that's not Nathan's character either. I mean, there's two schools of thought about what Nathan was doing that day. One was taking pressure off um, yeah. the newcomers to the Australian side, and yeah, I but, believe but that. But I mean, not like, you know, we've talked about that before, and yeah. it's not necessarily that I want to talk about him, but mm. it, it's just this little symbolic moment where you go, no, well, sure. you know, careful what you wish for, because <laughs> um, you didn't specify whose careers, and, and in the end, it's this team. Players who don't have a personality, who are trying to play a role that they feel is the one that needs to 
be where they're at. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I did I did reflect on that this week. I thought, you know, where did this go wrong between Durham, Shala and Brisbane? I think it yeah. went wrong in the week before Brisbane. I think it all went wrong when they started trying to honour, yeah. again, things impersonate. we... Yeah, almost impersonate things that aren't necessarily natural to them. Yep. And then where, where we are now, three months later, you know, it doesn't take much. I made the point somewhere yesterday that usually a big mistake isn't in isolation. It usually comes after a series of small mistakes. Mm. Like big things don't happen just out of nowhere, especially yep. in environments, in team environments like that. There's, and this is where the culture thing comes from, doesn't it? Like the idea that the culture was let to fester, that the spirit of cricket became the, what we can get away with. Darren Lehman's comments about reverse swing after Durban, he explained them yesterday, but they looked pretty bad at the time. Like yep. it was, you know, the ICC will dictate what we can do to the ball as though, you know. Which is effectively saying if we get caught. If we get caught, we're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, look, well, I think no, I think all like that we won't even address it until we get caught. You know, mm. it's, it's up to them to catch us. Was kind of the <laughs> how it could be interpreted, which which probably isn't fair. But um, but if we're coming to the thing that careers have ended, I guess that's that's the big question though. Is is why have careers ended when you know you've got other people around the world saying, well, this is this is insane. It's ball tampering. Mm. It's not that big a deal. Um, and this is the question I've had to wrestle with in a hundred radio interviews this week, and so have you. People asking us why has there been such a big response? And I, I think we we talked before about you know sort of not being a patriotic Australian. There, there are a lot of things I love about Australia, and and maybe it is sort of a national myth I'm buying into. But there is this idea of fairness of, of not cheating, um, and that and that you know the cricket team fairly or not is is an exemplar of those values. And when they're seen to cheat, that's that that kind of undermines this idea that brings all this other stuff down with it. It was the perfect storm. It was the it was the cheating or the breaking of the rules. It was the Australian national men's test team, which has this broader aura. Mm-hmm. Bryden Coverdale wrote beautifully about this in Cricket Info the other day that we're not an old country. We're not a country with oodles of history, which means we do What's reference aside from eighty thousand odd years before. Yeah, but well, I think what he, the point he's making though is that in, in we terms of the modern version, yeah, the modern the is. modern way of Australia conceives itself. We don't have a, a lengthy history. Colonised history is what he meant. I'm, I'm not trying yeah. to for a moment talk about the Indigenous peoples for a second. I don't want to be misinterpreted on that. But I think his point's right: is that Australia as a country, quote unquote, um, is predated by the Australian national cricket team. We reference point things to years of Ashes series. We talk mm. about 89. Oh, when Australia won in 89 in England. You know, mm. it, that's kind of what we do. It, it, it's second nature, being the national sport, yeah. being the national team, the proprietor, el- the ownership, I'm not gonna, I can't use that word, the ownership elements of the Australian team is something that we all have a little bit of a stake in. We've grown up watching in a different way to England. In England, they don't have the same degree of buy-in in the modern era to their yeah. national side. In India, they certainly do. But we can definitely say that we do in Australia. So it was a perfect storm between this egalitarian point that you made, Jeff, about um, fairness and equity and all the rest. Which, there which was, of course, is sort of largely mythological because there's sure. huge amounts of endemic unfairness but in it doesn't, Australia. But it's still there. It's, it's still idea. there. It's, it's a an rainbow idea. in the sky. Yes. You can never actually get there, but it's nice to look at. Indeed. So there's that. That's yeah. the Australian team. And then it was the lying. Yeah. So I think that that was the kicker. It was when it became apparent that they'd lied. Yeah. Any chance they had of... And I know, I know that the lie only came out after the sanctions were announced and it was way beyond the point of... But I think that the, the very fact that there was a lie to begin with to the umpire with Cameron Bancroft yep. with the sunglasses case, and also I think it was partly the incompetence of the whole thing. Yeah, we, we had a good laugh about the, the you know what we thought then was sticky tape down the down the jocks, yeah, but like it, a, quick, a quick waxing remedy. Yeah, yeah, but it did look kind of sort of ridiculous. I think so, it was the indignity of it. It, it was undignified. Mm. It was it was ridiculous in the literal sense of 
the term, it invited ridicule. You make yourself yes. look... If you make yourself look foolish um, while letting someone down, then that's even more embarrassing and, and, and therefore the, the response was more. Whereas, you know, if, if they'd sort of... If they'd been better at cheating in a way, if, if they'd been mm. more underhanded about it um, or more sly about it, maybe there would have been a slight grudging admiration. But yeah, I wonder if it had it been a fafty plus e rubbing the ball against the zipper uh, and getting rumbled by the umpires. It just there's just no way we'd yeah. be having this conversation. It but was definitely that a combination. It's like, well, I'm just yeah. using something I happen to have on me anyway. Yeah, and I, it's such a tiny distinction, but when it's the foreign object thing, right? And it was funny. Sandpaper looks really insidious as well. Like sandpaper, yeah. you know, you think of, you know, sandpaper gives a visual image of trying to yeah. shave down something, which of course is is exactly what. And, and we all swallowed the story about the tape because it's. It was so detailed that it were like, well, as if you'd make that up because it, yeah. it, it had such detail. I think it. I said that at the time. Yeah. I go, as if you'd make up a lie like that. Yeah, because it sounds Bloody so hell. stupid because you seem so incompetent. And, and I was on that line saying, well, you know, it must be the first time they'd done it because they were so bad at doing it. But, oh. um, but without, you know, I had a guy message me on Twitter and he's, and he, you know, one of these classic sort of Twitter conversations. He's like, well, my mate is a carpenter and he knows 1100 grain sandpaper when he sees it and he's swearing blind that they had sandpaper out there and I was like no I don't think it was sandpaper of course it was you know and and of course uh, you know we end up looking like idiots for believing the story they fed us because but because why not I guess you could it's exhausting being cynical all the time and when someone sits down in front of you and says well look let me level with you this is what happened you go okay well I guess that's, maybe that was naive to, to mm. not interrogate that further, but in the moment it seemed plausible. But in retrospect, it's so fucking incompetent to come in and lie to a press conference like that and make up a story just to try to get David Warner out of trouble. There's a few parts to this. I put my old political hat back on and I think about um, the, the one of the first rules you give a politician or a candidate before they go into the parliament is just don't fucking lie. You can do anything. You can you can fudge. You can avoid. You can do any anything you want, but just don't tell an outright lie to a journalist because the payback when you tell a lie to a journalist is profound. Yeah. So there was that, and the other thing that feeds into this, and maybe there hasn't been the scrutiny on this yet, but I think there might be in coming days, is that who was involved in concocting the story about the tape in the rooms in the forty-five minutes between stumps and when they came and talked to us because. Mm-hmm. Maybe well, I'm being the meantime, too cynical. They told it to the match referee. They like. told it to the match referee. But there was a story they they obviously, I mean, I say obviously, we assume they saw that the object on TV was yellow and they went working out what else was yellow in the room that could plausibly be the same thing. And look, I mean, that feels to me as though that couldn't have been worked out between a couple of blokes before seeing. It just doesn't strike me as. Yeah. It doesn't strike me as realistic. Right. No one in the support staff at all, full stop, could have been involved in this. I'm not. I'm, and again, that, that's hard. It's hard to say because you don't know, and I don't want to sort of cast aspersions. And it's yeah. really hard to say that and, and say it carefully. But but also, the, but I think they were asked as they came off. Well, the, well, this is what the the, the investigation by Ian Roy, the integrity yeah. officer, I'm certain would have found out who knew what, where and when. Or how could he not have? That was his job over the sure. 24 hours. And I wonder whether there will be questions asked about that because if there were other parties involved in coming up with the, coming cover, up with story. the cover story, then yeah. I think they, you know, three guys have been sent home in absolute national shame. If there are other people who have been involved in the lie, at least they deserve to 
um, where some of the repercussions, not obviously not the same as what Steve Smith had to go through today, but at least, you know, the, the public deserved to know, I think, in this circumstance. Yeah, if it was cooked up or, you know, was was Cameron Bancroft in a mental state coming off to say, well, I'm just going to tell him it was, it was bat tape. And maybe it was, you know, Crust, that, that's possible too, of course. I don't want to yeah. preclude that as an option. Maybe Cameron Bancroft or Steve Smith or David Warner, one of the three in question, drummed it up and they kept it to themselves. Entirely yeah. possible. Darren Lehman didn't know about it being taped. So, yeah. uh, you know, and that's a fairly telling sign. Well, Darren Lehman says, but then we don't necessarily. But Ian Roy, it, no, but, no, we do, because James Sutherland told us that Ian Roy found that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's what the investigation. Yeah, so I'll be staggered if I, you know, nah, I, I, I won't buy that. I think that if they've lied to Ian Roy in this situation, I mean, it's just implausible. I, I can't conceive a scenario where anything that they found and ruled on, he would have consulted every person. There would have been yeah. way too many cross references required to have, you know, to have stitched up a lie like that. I mean, mm. I know there's been a lot of lying this week, but it would have just been a bridge too far. So, uh, yeah, I, I just think that, that that's something else we should have a have a look at at some stage. Yeah, last question a final word if mm. you will um the, i think the lying part for me made me feel like the the year-long bans were appropriate um in that if you give them a six-month ban they don't really miss any cricket they miss mm. a one-day tour to england and a few t20s in zimbabwe and that's it um and so when the full charge sheet came out that's when that's when it it went from saying well a year's pretty harsh for this to to saying well that's actually probably apt you've got to miss a home summer in mm. order to have some genuine punishment um and and Bancroft getting a slightly shorter one a nine month job is a little bit of a, an indication to say well he shouldn't have been allowed to do what he did he shouldn't have been encouraged to do it and, and he was led astray by by senior players um what's your take on that um yeah I still haven't quite kind of conceived what that means the 12 month ban I, I mean I know how many games they miss but the the earnings and all the rest it's, it's, it isn't just a year ban it's a year ban and a 5 million dollar fine for Steve Smith yeah yeah like, it, it's, you know, it's huge stuff I mean yeah. I know that Smith wouldn't necessarily be worried too much about the coin maybe Warner would be given he's obviously fairly fond of a quid but uh, look at I, I do think that the only way Cricket Australia could have handled it was with these kind of lengthy layoffs. I think had they came down and tried to fudge it and given a six-month ban with what we all know, as you mentioned, just missing white ball cricket, playing next home summer would have naturally prompted uh, an outcry again. I'm not sure whether the Cricket Australia brand can wear that, especially when you consider we've not even talked about the commercial implications for CA. Sponsors dropping off by the day, if not by the hour at one stage here yesterday. They were, they were all falling off the falling off the off the vine and then the fact that they're trying to negotiate a TV rights deal at the moment and a radio rights deal but the TV rights deal was where the where the big bu- yeah. where the big bucks are and if they feel as though they needed to do something to shore up their position then I understand why they took that decision it does like I find that hard to reconcile with the sheer volume of a 12 month ban for something that like this but I but I also get why it had to be that way it's been Along however many days it's been, we're going to shut the recording off and get this up on the internet um, in its in its <laughs> unpolished glory. Um, hopefully, it made some sort of sense. Hope so. Thank you for listening. Uh, make sure that you subscribe on the iTunes, what's it, or leave us a review or a rating if you want to do so, or pass it on to someone who wants to listen to it. And make sure again, wisdom.com forward slash final work. Get on and grab the magazine. And thanks, of course, again to Small Group Travel who've been very good to us. And if you want to do anything when it comes to cricket travel, they're the people to have a chat to. And uh, I, I guess well, a final thing I'd like to say before we go is um, I think 
the the small travelling Australian press pack has been really admirable this week. There, there were eight of us on this tour. You know, uh, you and I, along with uh, Pete Lawler and and Ben Horn from the from the big papers back home, Chris Barrett from the SMH, uh, Cal and Sam from cricket.com.au, and and Robbie Forsyth who works for um, for the Wires. Don't forget Bredo. And uh, well, how can you ever forget Bredo? Dan Bredig uh, from Cricket Info, Info. Who's, who's done the rounds. I thought I was like, can I do eight off the top of my head without thinking about like I've written the names into group email enough times I should be able to, um, but you know it, it's really meaningful to work with a small group of people and and this mm. week has been the ultimate shit fight. It's been horrible to be honest. Like we want to talk about cricket, we don't want to talk about this stuff. We don't want to be doing these stories. It is as you say, like in a way, it's it, there's a kind of adrenaline exhilaration in in terms of trying to get news out to the entire world at once but it's also exactly not what we want to be doing Mm. Um, and there's been so much bullshit from so many media outlets so many bandwagoners jumping on and I think that there's been a real integrity in the work that's come out of the group that's been working out of here Um, a lot of cooperation a lot of collegiality which you wouldn't necessarily imagine is going on but but that's how it is and uh, I wanted to tip my hat to that well said this has been the final word with Jeff Lemon and Adam Collins. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Earth Boy for the outros. Mm. We'll see you next time. I ain't protected by the way I ain't fenced in. my future questions, my current senses. That'll be the same we've been doing for centuries. Sorry if I ran out to empty. Wrote this so you know what I meant here. I had to go.